Welcome to Next Gen Movement, our sole mission to empower tomorrow's leaders by harnessing and unleashing collective wisdom, lessons and experiences of thought leaders within the community. Thomas, thanks for joining us at the Next Gen Movement. You are looking fantastic of digging a tie. The best looking, looking pretty gangster. So uh, <laughs> I, we're really excited to get you on. We were actually, um, I was, I was thinking about bringing you on. Then Tope actually sent an email with people that he really wanted to get on the, uh, on the, on the show and you were on there. So we just thought that it was the universe telling us that you should be next. And then obviously <laughs> you, you and I had um, our conversation last week. So I just want to quickly introduce you. So most people know you within the realm of LinkedIn. I've come to to see you as kind of the coach, therapist, uh, advisor for uh, <laughs> us, us people on LinkedIn that are in the business community. And I think many of us on LinkedIn have come to see you as that as well. Um, and you and I had a really interesting conversation last week. And it was quite raw and real. I mean, it got cut off short, but we really ended up in a, in a, in a cool place. And we started to kind of investigate uh, the topic around burning out, um, masochistic mm-hmm. tendencies and um, how to kind of mitigate and manage this in the pursuit of our entrepreneurial endeavors. And I think that uh, it's a topic that's probably quite relevant for, for all of us. We're living in an age where, you know, you've got, uh, the Gary V's of the world telling us that we can be whatever we want to be. And, you know, that our goals are, are there and truly well, um, uh, they're there to be pursued and, and achieved. And I think within that uh, race to do so, a lot of us are not looking after ourselves. And I think that you have a lot of um, information, w- wisdom and knowledge that uh, could benefit the community around, well, how do we manage this? How do we manage ourselves in this pursuit of, I suppose, our, our goals and dreams? So that being said, we're super excited to get you on. And we just wanted to dive into this topic um, because we feel like, um, yeah, all generations can benefit from this conversation. So thanks. Thanks for, for joining. Oh, thank you. Mm. So happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So, um, so yeah, look, Thomas, why don't you just briefly kind of give us an introduction of yourself uh, and, and uh, we'll go from there. Cool. So um, I am a licensed independent clinical social worker that's basically a licensed therapist. And I'm also a speaker and a coach and an entrepreneur. I own a therapy and wellness practice in Massachusetts. And then I own a coaching business where I coach people from all over the, the country and even the world. I primarily work with families where there's a loved one who is struggling with mental health, high-risk behavior, or addiction, and there's obviously a parallel process to that. I also work with executives on -on one-on-one, a lot of what we just talked about, ostensibly how to build a high-performing culture, how to stay connected to their why, how to obviously take care of themselves. But what I see a lot with addiction or mental health illness is that there's a contagion effect. And um, my heart goes out to any family that's struggling with someone else's uh, addiction or mental health or, or high risk behavior in their family, because like I said, it is a family disease and everyone winds up being complicit or playing a role in that dysfunctionality. And so what I do is to try to support families to take a hard look at what it is that they can control so that they can be well and they can create their own process 
and step on a pathway to wellness that is sustainable. And with executives or entrepreneurs or, or people in the small business community, yeah, like you talked about, it's so important to just take a look at the bigger picture um, of not just your business goals, but what is the tertiary impact on either yourself or your loved one or your family. And I, we see, unfortunately, so many people come and go on this platform. And I think it's really neat to have two. I don't know about you. Is Zach also, are you also an endurance uh, ultra athlete too or no? no I would, what they call a power athlete. Not built okay. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. But I just think it's, I think it's neat that there's two endurance, you know, athletes. Uh, I'm not one of them as well. So you and I can commiserate now. Zach's more built like a Chevy Nova. Nice. <laughs> hey, it gets there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. rough, but it gets there. You know? uh, um, I play soccer, so I think I think I think an average soccer play. I think an average soccer player runs like five six miles. So that's about it. And I actually have uh, ITB band issues, which you two may or may not know about. And like right at the ninth oh, mile, yeah. every time when I was training for half marathons, it was like a blowtorch in my right knee. So um, I'm not as uh, I'm not that masochistic because uh, I could, I could in, run a half marathon, but it would be, it would not be fun. So, but I was just snowshoeing at six degrees in my backyard. So big fan of leaning into discomfort. So I think, I think it's a wonderful conversation is looking at the balance of being growth oriented, which we all are right. And wanting to achieve or crush, right. These big dreams and be hags, right. Big hairy audacious goals, but at the same time, not doing it to the detriment of yourself or your family or your friends and doing this for the long long haul because this is a long 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 game mm. that's I, I love that thomas with um i want to touch on the sports side of things because all of us are like athletes in our own respective fields how has and I, i've been seeing your linkedin content and you're massive on soccer even before this conversation mm -hmm. was on how has sport shaped you in your growth because you've shifted like after doing some research on you like you're a therapist you do addiction and family wellness you've even gone entrepreneurial um talking about executives and small business communities how has sport shaped you in regards to that growth massive i don't think i'd be here um this is we could dive into this or not dive into this but in high school i was perceived to be gay i made a video way back when about how i was uh yeah. uh called the faggot and uh, everything you can imagine in high school so i was perceived to be gay soccer? basically what'd you say because of soccer how it was perceived no 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 because uh i was into fashion and photography and i grew up in long island and i would gotcha. go to the city and i would be all fabulous right with these great outfits that i thought were awesome and then i'd come back to my high school which uh this is a whole other topic but we could talk about the man box and what mm. society does for us right we like things in boxes and to be you know machismo or to you know to be ma masculine is to be machismo or be this or be that and very confined uh you know box and so a lot of people in my high school didn't know what the heck to do with, do with me so i was perceived to be gay but yet i excelled on the soccer field and if i didn't have that i don't know if i'd be where um you're able to take something and then sort of turn it into something else so think about an ice cube it's a solid and it turns into a liquid and eventually a gas so slide tackling someone is appropriate <laughs> for 90 minutes, but not appropriate in the high school hallway. Um, so there's a lot of lot of good things um, that sport, and I still play to this day. So absolutely, uh, just enduring and understanding your body and learning how to move with it and push yourself beyond comfort, your comfort zones. I played in college as well, 
and played semi-pro thereafter. So absolutely, soccer has been a huge part. It's a wonderful looking glass or microcosm ostensibly of, of I think, what business, the business cycle can look like. Hey, um, I, w- I want to jump in and more on the topic, Thomas, on um, burning out and, and um, sort of high performance. Why is it that you can get uh, a CEO that is absolutely crushing it, you know, running a, a multinational company and, and you look at him in his business life and he's, you know, probably a nine and a half out of 10, yet he may be, you know, 50 pounds overweight. And like, I, I, why do you think someone can, that obviously knows what to do and knows how to achieve and succeed in one area of their life can't replicate that in, you know, the family or the, the, the health environment? Well, I think I, so it's a great question. And I work with so many C-suite executives, mainly because they have a young adult uh, in their life, whether it be their daughter or niece, nephew, what have you, who is potentially blowing out of, say, a boarding school or, or a traditional school. And they're caught off guard often by that. But when you track the trickle back to its source, one very basic exercise I do with people is I ask them to make a pie chart of all the different slices of their life. And if the career slice is, you know, enormous and sort of ballooning, you know, that's going to put pressure on the family slice, the self-care slice, the spirituality slice, um, the friend slice, the, the dad slice, the whatever slice, the mom slice. So I think it is, while yes, work-life balance isn't um, something I, I get too much into, we look at integration and zooming in and zooming out and constantly auditing what is in the red and what is in the black. Um, but I think a lot of people don't do a lot of deep inner work that's required. And it's also at times a Pygmalion effect when you're really good at something, you're potentially, this is not everyone, but a lot of people I work with, they overplay to their strengths. And thankfully our society shifting a little bit where we can, men can talk about vulnerability or leaders can talk about vulnerability and we can talk about failing forward in a positive way as an asset. But still we have people who are very much over defended on appearing a certain way. And I think that only makes that harder when in fact something shows up that they have to now redress, you know, address and, uh, and move in a different direction. So I think, I think it's again about making sure you're constantly looking at any of your blind spots and you're swatting yourself all the time, not just your company. I just want to touch on that because I know that when I got sober and I'd be, I, I was a dysfunctional and probably unsuccessful person on a, on a, on all levels prior to getting sober. Then when I got sober, I started to kill it at work. Everyone started to define me as, Oh wow, you're, you're really a fantastic salesperson. And I started mm-hmm. to build my identity on that. And that gave me this sense of purpose. But at the same time, a lot of that became a lot of that, that, that drive to succeed was fear based because if I mm-hmm. didn't succeed, who am I? I'm starting to build this identity Absolutely. and people Absolutely. are telling me, look how fantastic you are. So I had never had that before. So it became this need, almost life and death need to fulfill that prophecy of becoming fantastic. So my question is, um, I, personally, I had to start to shift the, the drivers uh, of why I was doing what I was doing. So in, in saying that, I have a question around motivation. Um, how important is it that our motivation to succeed come from a place of 
positivity versus a kind of negative energy such as fear and and what do you what's your like what do you see around that and when you're when you're kind of dealing with executives and, and uh people within industry uh, well first off i mean i so appreciate you being authentic and real and sharing that at times sure. you you turned into what i call sort of um uh it, it's basically um like a promenade of a building you know if you think about a billboard uh it may be very exciting and look really nice but who really knows what's going on on the inside and so we all do that again we we go toward where we can have instant success and we can get those dopamine hits and dopamine hits whether they're you know cocaine or whether they're sugar or whether they're attaboys or they're high fives right if we're not careful we become very extrinsically motivated and again that's not where to go back to the piece about positivity the second part of your question i always say to people i work with you need to go in before you go out and very often if we're not careful particularly in early recovery which i do a lot of recovery coaching as well and used to be the family wellness director of a very high-end addiction treatment center um, i call it a leaky bucket syndrome if we're not careful and we have holes in our bucket we can put a ferrari through our mouth we can put a you know whatever title whatever salary whatever you know, whatever award or whatever, you know, external thing, it's not, we're not going to be able to hold on to it. It's going to flow through us. So the faster that we can shore up that bucket and when and if we get a Chevy Nova, <laughs> as mentioned earlier, um, I drive a Toyota Corolla, which I'm very content with and happy with. And we have a minivan. Um, not to say that if someone drives a BMW that they have this leaky bucket syndrome, more power to them. If, as long as it just gives them value and hold and, fills them up because two halves don't make a whole in addiction whether it's someone who's not fully recovered connecting you know uh, or 13 stepping you know in terms of beginning to form a relationship too early two halves don't make a whole and two halves don't make a whole in a company so you when you really start looking when i what i start doing always with the leaders i work with is looking at the culture and if there's a culture that doesn't allow for conflict and there's a really good chance that that leader actually struggles with intimacy issues in some <laughs> other area of their life wow, and a, is not allowing mm. their, their staff to challenge the process. And I always say, if you've ever seen the end of Thelma and Louise, you know, they both go off the cliff together, <laughs> you know, group think is not a good thing. And so we need to have that ability to not always get the, again, attaboys or the high fives or the adulation or the dopamine hits. There are tons of days that, are not sexy and not exciting, but they're okay. And they're ostensibly good enough. So if we're always chasing enough, I think that's a setup. So I do agree that a sense of satisfaction or wholeness or wellness um, is really a great impetus for doing anything as opposed to, again, some external, um, you know, like you mentioned Gary Vee, like I don't know him personally, obviously, um, but I like to think he's fulfilled. Um, and going back to your original question, Zach, I think that not every person is ostensibly chasing that high, um, but there are a lot of people who their work slices bleed um, pretty much into a lot of things. And then you have contamination, and then it's hard to know your ass from your elbow. And it's no wonder that when someone comes up for air and their daughter's like, yeah, actually not so much over here, right? We haven't made contact in six years, and I've been actually doing drugs at that boarding school. It is harder for that person to pivot and recalibrate. So I'm coming in, unfortunately, way later than I wish I was, um, having to do like ch ch clear, you know, on the system and do tachycardia, you know, as, as they're experiencing tachycardia almost. Um, whereas it would be better, 
which is what I do locally. I speak at high schools, PTA meetings, you name it. There's a thing at a local high school called uh, Coffee Hour with Thomas. It happens once a month at um, a local high school. It's been going on for years. There's a support group I've been running now for eight years locally, which is called Strength in Numbers, which is for any parent or family member to come uh, every Thursday and just talk about concerns they may have about a loved one. And there are people sitting right next to you know, each other where there's someone in active, active addiction, and there's other people that have like a 13-year-old and just want to ask a question. So we've already worked really hard to invite you know, that process and that ability to audit and take a look at what is or isn't working. Yeah, I, Thomas, I, I want to go back to when you were talking about like the promenade um, facade analogy. Mm-hmm. That's great um, because I've definitely succumbed to that one where it looks great on the outside and my ego mm-hmm. is kind of like trying to protect me from maybe mm-hmm. sharing or being real. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's happened even a few times last year and it comes like I had to take a break on social media for a bit just to mm-hmm. recoup and to... I guess, keep myself grounded and focus on myself again because it was mm-hmm. using it to procrastinate. I wasn't using it for the right things. And that's, as, as we all are pretty active on social media, LinkedIn in particular, it's it, like I find that social media and like building our professional lives and our brand building can take a toll on us. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, um, yeah. With, with what I'm trying to get to is, it's actually something what um, a community question asks. So you probably saw the post that, we created um, just to gauge if there was any community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we got some great feedback and Robert Kelly from North Carolina he touches on this exactly. So he goes, how do you start to trust your own instincts and cut the noise from others in social media as you build your brand? I think for me, just to go back to what you're saying about and to be vulnerable too. I mean, I got sucked into the same thing. My um, EQ is high, very high. My DQ, as you saw <laughs> earlier, to, as we were trying to get this set up, is not so high. And I think whenever there's a shiny new pretty thing like LinkedIn, um, it's very easy for me, at least I was struggling in the beginning, to fall into what just felt typical, right? Um, and not having a sense of I was like learning all these new lingos. I, I didn't even understand half of what it was or what it wasn't. Now I'm at a place of assimilation, which is really exciting, which is where I've been in my life for a while. I made a video recently about getting schooled by the 16-year-old kid at basketball. And I used to, yeah, I used to be in all these clinical, I was 28 years old and a clinical director. Um, I then was 32 years old and I was running um, the Center for Hope in uh, Connecticut. I supervised like 17 therapists, six of whom had PhDs and I was 32 years old. So I went through all that compensatory BS as well. Thankfully, I don't do any of that. I actually love being the dumbest person in the room, and I don't need to use psychobabble and you know shiny what I call five dollar words. Um, I could speak you know in half dollar half dollar words or quarter words, um, but I used to do all that. So when I got on LinkedIn, even though I was much more confident in myself than maybe if I would have been jumping in uh, at twenty three, um, I'm you know almost forty. Still, I went through that same forming, storming, norming sort of process with myself. And now again, thankfully, I'm in this place where I have my own goal. I do 15 engagements a day. Um, That is my goal that I do every day, 15 comments. Um, And if you read my comments, I try to do quality versus um, quantity. But that's what I had to come up with because like you, I was also my LinkedIn slice 
And again, you get those dopamine hits, like being tagged on like 50 million things yep. feels really exciting. And then being shouted out on someone else's thing feels really exciting. But then when I don't see my son's face anymore, because I'm disconnecting from him or I have two kids um, or my, or my wife's face. And again, I'm being pulled into the zeitgeist of this infamy that I'm not even, wasn't even a part of. So it's as easy as breathing to participate. I would encourage that person, whether they're 40, 60, or 20, um, to make sure they, again, slow down, have time to make contact with themselves, look really hard at that pie chart. I do that with all people. We look at what is the current pie chart of your life, and we actually delineate every slice down to their, their partner. Again, whatever is part and parcel to them, spirituality, family, work, et cetera, LinkedIn. Then we look at what is the ideal and we try to obviously move in that direction and begin to look at what has to go and what are the personal boundaries they have to set with themselves and or others and become, again, the watcher of that process. I call it the watcher of the ego because if you're not careful, you will be sucked right in. I, I know I'm guilty of that as well. So it's sort of a mind within a mind is what I call it, where you can have wise mind, um, where you're more intentional and again, not ostensibly by proxy, just, just doing whatever is conditional. It's hard though. Very hard. Especially when something's cool and exciting, you know? I also find that, um, I, I think that this is a, a challenge for all demographics, whether you're someone like Toph, uh, who's, uh, you know, young and single, uh, someone like Zach, who's younger and living with his, with his partner, uh, or someone like myself, where I have the wifey and the baby, for me, it's become really, really challenging to, to mitigate that. And what we've implemented in the house recently is a no technology Sunday. Because mm -hmm. it's awesome. Well, we got to a point where we'd be sitting around and we're both on our technology or I've been working all day and, you know, she's been with the baby all day. And then when a healing goes asleep, she just wants to zone out and veg on tech. Mm -hmm but there's this real sense of disconnection after five days of, of doing so. So I think that is a person that is especially in recovery. And I know that a lot of young people may not be addicts or, or alcoholics, but this stuff is designed to be highly addictive, right? There are designs. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. There are designers of these technologies that are ensuring Absolutely. that we stay on it. And as Toph loves to say, you know, LinkedIn is a place to hang out almost. And that could be dangerous. Um, oh, now, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I've actually got a question from our friend, our good friend, Ahmed, who I know you know uh, through mm -hmm. LinkedIn. Uh, What's his real name? What's his real name? He has multiple personality disorder, I think. Yeah. No, I'm, just, I'm totally messing. <laughs> I'm totally joking. It's, it's funny because when we had him on the show, we all, like, I didn't, I've known Zach for six or six years and I didn't know his real name was Zakir. I, I thought he was, I just mm -hmm. never knew that. So mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of unknowns came out in that conversation, but he, he wanted to ask a question that I think, <laughs> I'd like to know myself. And, and uh, that question is, how do you, how would you best structure your, your year uh, with breaks and holidays and leave to kind of prevent burnout and ensure productivity when you are working as an executive, what would, or as a person that's working, what would your advice be? I, I think that's great. I, I don't think there's a one size fits all, but that's 
a lot of work we do. Um, and w the easy thing is to figure out, um, let's just, the basic easy one is how many vacations do you want to go on? That's like a number one. Mm -hmm. then, then we start looking at ostensibly again, those blocks of time. When are you on? When are you off? Like your example of being off on a Sunday, that's really great. Um, so easy ones are, let's start with vacation. Let's start with non-negotiables. Um, you can really dive down and get down to the cellular level. Like I said, for me, I do 15 engagements a day. I'm done. Yeah. Um, that is my goal for the day. I don't always get there. There are some days I do 16 or 17. Um, but in the beginning, I was actually reacting, which is crazy to me because I give you a perfect example. We have a, you know, we own a building and we have a waiting room and an office manager. Clients do not just walk into our building, knock on my door and say, I want a session right now. Yet, how many times have all of us been DM'd by somebody and said, why didn't you respond to my post? And next thing you know, they're using what I call the hooks of guilt is unwittingly, we are now being the hunted, right? And we are, we are um, not the hunter, not that again, I want to, that maybe sounds like scary, like I'm not looking to encourage people to eat people, you know, but in the sense of it's the difference between being in the backseat versus driving, you know, it's really about intentionality and what again is the life you want. One of the things I do a lot with people is I think of Gary Vee. He says he works 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And he's documented this. That is not a lifestyle I want. There is a cost of emission to that ride. There's also a cost of emission to working a nine to five job, you know, that might be a low salary job, but actually has great health benefits and maybe has a pension. There's a cost of emission to that, you know, in terms of what really is your value. So I think you have to start with what does this person what is so important to them and value oriented that they cannot give up and then beginning to just, again, kind of reverse engineer and work backwards a little bit to say on a week to week, you know, whether it be a 30, 60, 90, um, whether it be, you know, looking at um, one thing I do a lot with uh, people is there's this really cool uh, sort of quadrant. It's uh, called the Jahari window and it's um, about things that are known to self and then things that are uh, unknown to self. Yeah. So known to self, known yeah. to others, unknown yeah. to self, unknown. To, you could look it up. It's, it's really great. It sounds fancy, but it was created by two people named Joe and Harry, hence Johari Window. Um, but it's a wonderful thing because there are a lot of clients that come to me that things aren't even known to self. Obviously, you talk about recovery. There are some people who are on the down low about their own addiction. It's not known to others. Well, you know, or whatever that is. If someone is now, if it's known to self, hey, I'm in recovery, now it's known to others, I'm in, I'm in, the, I'm in the rooms, I'm in 12-step, well, clearly that needs space and time because your recovery plan um, needs, right, some structure and it's gonna have its own slice. So really starting first with that, what is known to self? And if it's, you know, and then what is, how do you move to make it be known to others? Because you may not own your own company. So if you, begin to become more self-aware and you need to go advocate and have agency with your, with your supervisor, your boss or whoever, that's going to be an important thing. Um, but the worst case is when we don't know and we're not moving with ourselves or what our needs are. So I would encourage that, um, you know, anyone to just what really is known to them that at the end of the day is so important, you know, that, that will, then we'll start from there. We'll structure kind yeah. of the year or the next six months or three, three weeks after that around that. Um, one of the things I just want to say real quick, because um, you got me thinking about, you talked about yourself, and again, I so appreciate all of you, and, and RJ, I appreciate that you're willing to say you have a little bit of an inner masochist that, you know, or inner critic. 
Um, there's this other model, and it's, think of a triangle. This is uh, the top of the triangle is perpetrator, this is victim, and this is rescuer. This is old school too, but it's great. It's called the drama triangle. And what happens is the moment you play one of those roles, you wind up playing all of them. So I found myself with LinkedIn like rescuing people, whereas my villain in my life and what I've made my career on is trying to eradicate or annihilate codependency and enmeshment in families and helping everyone become liberated, you know, to take their own internal temperature and create their own path. Um, and I'm all about community and, and being culturally competent in the process. So yet, why am I rescuing these people, you know, who are DMing me and telling me, you, you know, pulling on my heartstrings to get me to do all these things when they haven't brought value themselves. Now I'm in a place where I understand that it's only just because it came to me in a different form that again, you, you're learning vernacular. So I think we all have to stop too and have accountability partners or a coach or a friend to just say, does it smell weird, right? Or does it talk like a duck, walk like a duck? It's a duck. So again, I find that with all these new things, I think we have to just come back to some basics too. And it's very easy to fall into what is the, the flavor of that community or culture. And then making sure, again, you're not just the proxy of someone else's expectation that may in fact not work for you. That was phenomenal. Um, you got me thinking so much, like just around that productivity. And, and I guess it's, it's, um, it's, it's the, uh, the, uh, so somewhat utopia of trying to you know conquer the world but at the same time have the successful marriage be there for the kids right. in their soccer game right. um and i think it's uh it's challenging it's it's it's, it's, it's very it's, challenging it's uh i i heard something the other day um this guy named ed mylett in one of his podcasts and he said you never actually achieve the balance you know so there's always going to be one area that if you're if you're a high achiever, there's always going to be one area that is kind of poking out or, or kind of leading leading um, the others. But I think that um, yeah, I resonated with uh, with what you just said, and it kind of is a segue into the next question from um, from Anna uh, McAfee, McAfee, who we had on the show um, a couple of weeks ago uh, from Coffs Harbour, and she said. Um, my question would be, what advice would you give the parent parentpreneurs, especially <laughs> with young children, on an entre mm -hmm. entrepreneurial journey, uh, and in my case anyway, with the multinational businesses in brackets, so they never literally sleep. Um, how do you manage it? How do you manage the pressure of always being on? Mm. It's that's a great question, and uh, while I don't own a multinational company, so she's she's got me beat there. I do have two two little guys, and I own three companies, <laughs> and um, I like to think I'm a very attachment based dad. And go, I'm going to answer that question. I want to go back to your original thing, though. You were saying too about um, the person I'm forgetting their name who you, they don't ever have balance. You were Ed, saying Ed, Ed Milet, Ed yeah, right. But go, but go. I just want to go back to the the Jahari window. If anyone looks it up, known to self, known to others. My son, thank God, both of my children, because my wife and I have created a culture where you're allowed to step forward, and that's another thing I immediately look at in families. If there are what I call icebergs, where only 10% is known, watch out. 90% is submerged, and that could be extreme, like addiction or or sexual abuse or something, or it could just be as small as going back to that prototypical old school C-suite executive who they go large and the family goes small or other people go small. That takes up a lot of space. My children call me out all the time. 
Um, I appreciate that, just like I appreciate my staff doing that as well as giving high fives. So I think when they say there's never really balance, I think there's balance within balance. It's like Matryoshka dolls. The level of emotional safety that my wife and I have worked really hard to create in our family allows for exchanges. It allows for high fives. It allows for feelings. It allows for call outs, positive, negative, neutral, whatever. Um, same thing in our company. Um, our company is very much like a family where we're constantly trying to pull our staff forward. So as much as you may not have balance in a traditional sense where it's equanimous, I still think there's a way to go deeper in your relationships with your children, your partners, your staff, to really get down to what I call the trophic level. If you think about, you know, from a geological standpoint, um, in my backyard, there's a lot of, it's called blowdown. Um, there's shallow root systems in this area. You basically have only a few inches of soil on top of bedrock. Companies look like that. Families look like that. And it's very scary. Um, I've, there's families that I'll work with and immediately I'll say, what's going on? Why do I feel like I have to tiptoe in this family? It, there's something going on. There's a giant elephant in the room that they're not talking about. So I think if you, again, ex exercise those demons and you raise the iceberg and you allow a four-year-old to go up to the father or mother and say, I don't actually like that, or I wish this or wish that, not putting on the four-year-old to be the parent, but just trying to say that in an ideal world, we can, we can make contact. So going back to her question, again, I would encourage her to make sure that she's very much in touch with the with her leadership in those companies and that she creates a process of externalization where she externalizes certain roles and that she goes deep and it's really hard a lot of times i know when i'm bringing on a new hire it's so funny how you're so stressed out that you know here comes a new hire and it's you're almost like atrophying at the time when you really need the most energy to kind of throw into that onboarding process so if she hasn't already really created um you know, the value proposition that she brings to that big picture. I hope she does that and makes sure that she externalizes things. Not that anyone can do, but that I always say there's three tiers. There's the just you can do. There's a super qualified person tier. And there's sort of a, a really good person tier um, and that she does that. And then I would encourage her to definitely get in touch with her family and her partner and her children, whoever that is. And again, allow for them to tell her and take their own internal temperature. Um, rather than her being on an island in myopic, right? We need each other. I always say that in families, each one teach one. And the more we can hold up the mirror, the less, you know, we're the emperor who's naked, if you know that story, mm -hmm. right? The emperor has no clothes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was a great question. Thank you. Well, she was great, answer. by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, Thomas, I just, I just really, before we wrap things up, I just really want to acknowledge you for being on here and for being who you are. Um, as a fellow, like your fellow athletes, your, your job is to literally like therapy people that are going through really tough times. I'm someone who's gone through a lot of struggles in my life. I, I, I still go to therapy. Um, cause That's I need I've had, th I've had three therapists in my life. Yeah. And I think I, everyone I, I, I'm, so. I agree. It's, it's crazy. I mean, we interview people all the time. That's one of the questions I ask is, um, I think that's insane. I mean, how can you be a therapist if you haven't been a therapist? <laughs> that, that makes no sense. I mean, yeah. I've had three. I'm probably going to have a fourth. Um, yeah. I've had an account of, I have an accountability coach right now. I have a business coach. I have a social media coach. Uh, I mean, again, all these people going back to that. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'll shut up. But yeah, I, I get passionate about that subject. It just pisses me off because people are like, you know, they all want it out here, but mm. they have to, you got to get your hands in the dirt. 
know, look yeah, at your fingernails that's, first. That's one of where yeah. I'm going with, like, the fact yeah. that you are able to, like you said before, you have to go in before you go out. And you, you like, how you built your brand, as, especially, as well as, like, transitioning <clears throat> fields within therapy, but how you, like, you're bringing light to topics, especially on LinkedIn, that is, you're doing it in such a great way. So I really want to thank you. Thank you. Are, and for being on the Thanks. show. Awesome. Um, this was also, great. Yeah, of course. And also want to give you like 30 seconds to plug anything you've got coming up. Maybe you've got a specific project. Maybe you want to promote um, your practice. Maybe you want to promote some of the executive entrepreneurial stuff. For like, got 30 seconds, man. What do, what do you got? Sure. So um, I could say this without flinching that if you uh, have a family member who's struggling right now, um, it is unfortunately a very mangled healthcare system and it's very difficult to navigate. And unfortunately, there are people that are looking to fleece families of money in the treatment industry. Treatment is wonderful. And if that's an opportunity for you, obviously go for it. However, if you do need some support and helping to just recalibrate your family or yourself or look at the culture you have within your home or within your company, feel free to check out thomasmillercoaching.com. Thank you for the shameless plug. Um, and I really appreciate all three of you, honestly. I, I love, I mean, first off, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day here, and I'm on the next generation movement. I mean, like, how cool is that? Like, that is like, no, it's, like, it's amazing. Synchronicity. And like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. serendipitous. Yeah, it is. And you, all three of you, I mean, do such a wonderful job as well in terms of, you know, sparking true dialogue. I mean, that's just what kills me is that we're, very much in this country i would think the world too but uh you could tell me otherwise but right now in america things are very black or white and absolutist and that just scares me you know the truth is always in the gray and it's in the it's in the relationship you know so it's really nice to see all three of you sowing seeds of of deep dialogue so keep going Thank you, mate. That's uh, no, that's really nice. Um, and, and I guess just before we go, what would be the one piece of game-changing advice you could give to the next generation on Martin Luther King Day? <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I, I just I really think that um, people need to be kind to themselves. I hear a lot of people that pick up the imaginary whip and they whip themselves and they don't realize that they're making this a lot harder. It's really hard to be an entrepreneur or to be growth oriented period. And they're just not going to make it if they have a negative channel going in their head all day long or a negative radio station. So I just hope people are kind to themselves and they find their own strengths and they change that radio station, you know, to the positive mm -hmm. sounds of themselves and, and shout themselves out and, and celebrate the little wins. Cause they'll be just, you know, we can't, the, the rubric that people have for like what this game is about cracks me up. It's not, it's not rock star status every day. It's actually, you know, it could be really boring. It'd be a grind and, and there's, there's little wins and, and you see the proof in the pudding of the work you did, you know, eight years ago. Um, that, and that's the important thing and, and to celebrate that and know that. So, yeah. Thank you. I'm, uh, I, I love that. You got to go in before you go out. Like that's, that's going to revolutionize, you know, mm -hmm. I guess the next cool. steps for me. I love it. Thank you. Good. Thanks, Thomas. Really appreciate your time, mate. Thank you, man. You guys are the best. Mate, you <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> thanks. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Thanks.